Hi, this is Robert Furl, and welcome to our Wednesday afternoon Truth Quest Q&A, where we take questions and look at them through the light of Scripture. Our desire is to always know what the Bible says that we can know what to believe, instead of approaching the Bible to try to get it to figure out or try to get to figure out what it is the, that how it can back up what I already believe, we want to approach the scriptures to find out what is true. We are on a truth quest. Uh, again, my name is Robert Furrow. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel of Tucson. I uh, have been there for 37 years, and um, I don't claim to know all of the answers to all of the questions, but we can look at them together. I appreciate those of you guys who are joining us. I hope you're blessed by the hour that you spend here with us today as we take time looking at questions. Uh, our first one is one that was left behind in another uh, TruthQuest Q&A, and that is, my grandchildren are not baptized. Should I worry about them? And the answer to that is no. Now, I don't know how old your grandchildren are, um, but it's not baptism that saves. I grew up in the United Methodist Church where I was baptized as a baby. But I like to say that didn't hurt me, but it didn't do what baptism was meant to do. You make a commitment to Christ and then you are baptized. You believe and are baptized. The Bible says believe and be baptized and you will be saved. The baptism doesn't save you. We know that. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. It's not of any works lest any man should boast. And there are people who boast about baptism, baptism in their religion or baptism in their cult and they claim that that's the way that they are saved. It's called baptismal regeneration and it's a false doctrine. It's not true. We are saved when we receive Jesus, when we invite him into our lives, when we, when we trust him, when we rely upon him, when we call upon his name, uh, when we are transformed, when we're born again, when the spirit of God comes to life. And uh, if your, your grandchildren make commitments to Christ and they are born again, God transforms them, then they will need to be baptized. And if you haven't been baptized, then you need to be baptized as well. Um, but really the thing that you need to worry about your grandchildren with is whether or not they make a commitment to Christ. And I will say that the power of prayer here is so incredible. Jesus said, ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking. And you may have heard it said before, the prayers of a grandmother, the praying prayers of a godly grandmother have brought many people to Christ. And so I would faithfully pray for them, seeking God. I have found that when it comes to my family, it's far more effective if someone else shares the gospel. It's not that I don't share the gospel with them. It's not that I don't look for open doors because I do, but I have found that, uh, you know, someone else will come and share with them and then they get saved. Members of my family have gotten saved and they come to me to tell me, and I've just been absolutely shocked that God has worked apart from me. The power of prayer is tremendous, and I would encourage you to pray for your children. Sometimes we can worry so much for them, but it's not about being baptized. It's about being born again. And Jesus said in John chapter three, you must be born again. Now, welcome to our Truth Quest Q&A. If you have any questions, we ask that you put a question in front of it, write out your question, reread it a couple of times so that we know that it makes sense because sometimes I'm reading them and going, I, I, I don't know what you're asking. So reread it and then go ahead and submit it. I appreciate you guys. I hope you guys are having a great afternoon. I hope you're staying close to Jesus. Uh, we have a church service uh, in about three hours from right now uh, where we are going to be looking at the 13th chapter of Hebrews. It's on Christian conduct, um, running, running the race, you know, what it takes to run the race daily. When we get into the grind, what does it mean day by day to be serving and following Jesus and what kind of things are, do we, are we to be doing? So that'll be live here in about three hours. All right, so I'm gonna take a look here and see what questions we've got. So Andre is here, good to see you guys, good to see you Carl, John, Andre. Um, and I'm gonna go ahead, let me first of all, and um, bring in a question from Andre. Andre says, um, Pastor in Psalms 8, 6, David says, Man was made a little lower than the angels. In 1 Corinthians 6, 3, Paul asked, do you know that we shall judge angels? Who is right? Um, Andre, I appreciate your question. Um, so yes, we, we are a little lower than the angels. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels as well. Excuse me, that Jesus was made 
a little lower than the angels as well. And yes, we are lower than the angels. But remember throughout the Old Testament that God did this thing where the older, the younger, the older would serve the younger. God would exalt the younger. God would exalt the one who was less powerful. God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And God could have chosen angels to take the gospel to men. God could have said, you angels are more powerful than them. You are created higher than them. You have more glory than man does. And so I'm going to use you and men are going to help you in getting the gospel spread. But instead, God flipped that and God chose man and made us the ecclesia, made us the church, gave us the great commission. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And we know that in Hebrews chapter one, the very last chapter there, I think it's verse 14, says, are they not ministering spirits sent to minister to those who have lives? The word minister there is to serve. So angels now are serving us as we go out and take the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we put on our armor, we get our feet prepared with the gospel of Jesus, and we go out to do the work that God's called us to do, and angels serve us. So the reality is, is that both of those are right. God made angel man a little lower than the angels, and we will judge angels. And by the way, we don't know much more about that. God gives us certain things in scriptures that's like a little glimpse into the future. What exactly does that mean that we are going to judge angels? Maybe we'll judge the fallen angels. Maybe God will use us. It's as if God says, these righteous made righteous by the blood of the lamb are gonna judge you angels. I tell you what, that is absolutely mind-boggling to really stop and think about that. So Andre Shape, let's go ahead and take another one here. Uh, we have another question here. Um, um, Let's see, uh, if you have a question, go ahead and write the word question in front of it, and that way I can look through here. I can find your questions pretty easily. Uh, Jari, we've got a question from Jari. Good to see you, Jari. Jari comes to us from YouTube. Jari says, what is going to happen to the United States? Will there be a revival and things get better? Would that cause the Lord to tarry, or will the United States continue on the road down its go, uh, down the road it's, uh, it is going. Um, so it, there's been a lot of speculation as to do we see the United States in prophecy? There are a couple of passages that make us think that maybe it's possible. Uh, the whole world gets rich off of mystery Babylon. The United States has not only been a, a military power, the strongest military power out there, but it's also the strongest financial force uh, that is out there and um, the largest uh, GDP, and it could be that we are Mystery Babylon. It's a mystery. We don't know. There's also a couple of other references, one to the, the young lions, another one to wings of eagles uh, that, that help to carry Israel to a certain place, and all of these have been suggested uh, to be the nation of Israel, excuse me, the nation of the United States in prophecy. I don't know. It doesn't directly mention it, but remember, we've only been around for a little over 200 years, right? We haven't been around for that long. Um, and I will say that the things that are going on in this world are not going on because of the United States. God has chosen to make Israel the center of what will happen in the last days. He's going to make Israel a, trup, uh, a, a cup of trembling. I believe that part of the reason that the United States has been so blessed is because we have chosen to help the nation of Israel. God said, I will bless those who bless you. And I believe that God's word is true. And I believe that he's staying true uh, to the nation of Israel. I also believe uh, that God is going to uh, use those who would submit themselves to him. I think things in the world are going to get worse and worse. I don't think they're going to get better and better. Uh, as we look, uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus said it was going to be like birth pains. Things are going to get worse and worse until finally the tribulation period hits, which is worse than anything this world has ever seen and worse than anything that the world is ever going to see. But I'll tell you, Jari, what I pray for. I pray that God would give us revival. I pray that God would give us prosperity 
so that we can continue to bless the world by preaching the gospel around the world, which the United States was known at one point as sending out missionaries to all around the world, and we still do. And um, I pray that God would allow us to do that. I also pray that there would be certain policies that we would change, our, polic our policies for the unborn, which are some of the most, um, we have some of the most liberal laws against the unborn that in, in the entire world, in the United States. And remember, Billy Graham said, if God doesn't judge um, the United States, then he has to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah. And that may very well be the case. I pray that God would grant us true repentance and that we would see a real change and that we as a nation would begin to protect the unborn child instead of allowing them to be destroyed. So uh, hopefully that answers your question. Just as we contemplate and consider the United States, where it's going, what it's doing, whether or not we are under the judgment of God right now, and um, what will happen in the end of the, the days. Age. My hope is that Jesus tarries and more people get saved. Uh, that's what Peter said, that God uh, is not slack concerning his promises, but desires that all would get saved and all would come to the of the truth. So I appreciate your question, Jari. Thank you very much. Uh, hello, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, if you have a question, write the word question down and then follow your question. Make sure it's clear. Read it a couple of times before you post it. Uh, we have a question here from Hunter. Good to see you, Hunter. Hunter says, I know, um, uh, question, I know talks about man and woman is being single a sin. All right, um, Hunter, I'm sorry. Um, the question doesn't quite make sense. Again, maybe reread them a couple of times and then post it. Uh, maybe this was a couple of different things here. Uh, maybe you can repost that, Hunter. We'll be able to get to it uh, here in a little while. But go ahead and ask your question again. See if you can ask it a little bit clearer. Uh, I would appreciate that. Uh, again, good to see you guys. Uh, we have another question here from Christy. Uh, Christy comes to us from YouTube. Christy says, in Genesis 7, 2, and 3, God is um, uh, sending Noah and seven of his, uh, and seven each, God is sending Noah God is sending to Noah, let me read what you put here. God is sending to Noah seven of each clean animals, male and female. Two of each unclean animal, male and female. It isn't saying two pairs of each unclean animal. Question. All right, let me see if I can figure out what the question is here. Um, so it says that male and female animals of two of each unclean animal. So of every unclean animal, there was two of them. It isn't saying male and female. I think we could say that that's assumed in the text, that why would there be two of them going if it wasn't to repopulate the earth? And uh, so um, there's seven clean of the clean animals. They're going to be used for sacrifices. Uh, and there's two of the others uh, that are sent. And I think that um, is it saying two pairs? Um, of each unclean animal. Um, I'm not sure. You know what? Let's go there. Let me go there and read and see if we can read that and see if we can make sense of that. All right. Um, so that is Genesis 7, uh, 1 and 2, right? Genesis 7, um, 1 and 2. All right. So let me just go ahead and uh, put the scriptures on screen for you here. And it says, um, the great flood. Then the Lord said, come into the ark, you and all of your household, because of the, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of, of animals that are unclean, a male and a female. Also seven of each of the birds. So I see what you're saying here. So it says two each of animals that are unclean, a male and a female. All right, so I, I'm, I'm going to say that that's not, I don't think that that's saying two each, two males and two females. I think it's saying two each, a male and a female. Um, I don't know what the, exactly the Hebrew says, and I think that this would be a question that you've got to go back and really dive into um, the, really dive into um, the Hebrew to be able to take a look at it and see whether or not it's saying something different than what we expect it to be able to say. 
So um, thank you. Uh, thank you, Christy, for your question. I appreciate that. And let's see, we have uh, another question here. Um, again, good to see you guys. We have another question here from Andre. Andre says, uh, question, Jesus calls Joseph of Arimathea, John, let me, let me read what you say there again, all right? Andre, you guys write one thing and I read another. Uh, John calls Joseph of Arimathea a secret disciple. Do you believe John included this to encourage those who worship Christ in secret? Um, I believe that at that certain point in time, there needed to be, he needed to be in secret. Joseph of Arimathea, part of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus also helping to bury him. Joseph also burying him. And um, so he followed Christ in secret at that particular point in time. And I think it tells us that there can be some secret disciples. But Jesus also said, if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. And so sometimes there, there might be a time where you have to hide that you are a believer, but we are called openly to follow him. And I wouldn't judge Joseph nor Nicodemus being in the Sanhedrin during that time. I might judge them a little bit later on if they didn't stand up openly for Christ. So uh, um, I appreciate the question. I think that secret disciples today, um, you know, maybe, maybe in an, a, a, a Muslim world, where in the, in the heart of Islam, you would find some that follow Christ secretly in order to save their own lives. And maybe they come out for him at a time and maybe they don't. I don't think that it's meant to encourage those who worship him in secret. Uh, I think we're just told, told the facts. He was a secret disciple. And um, he did not want to come out because of, you know, I mean, it's the very beginning of Christianity. Jesus is on the scene. He's part of the Sanhedrin. They hate him and they're killing him. And he's trying to stand against them. Uh, but he does this secretly. Should he have come out and been more open? Maybe, you know, maybe he should have done that. But thank you very much for the question. I appreciate that. We have a question, question here from Diana. Diana comes to us uh, from YouTube as well. Let's see, am I just seeing, yeah, we got some Facebook people on here. I thought, wow, maybe, maybe, um, maybe Facebook isn't working, but I see you guys on there. So good to see you guys from both places. So um, Diana says, the Holy Spirit is working hard inside of me and I want to spread the good news. As a single female, is it okay to go talk to people in the streets? Is this even effective? All right, Diana, I appreciate that question and I appreciate that that desire to share the gospel jesus said to the disciples wait in jerusalem and the holy spirit will come upon you and you will, shall receive power to be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth and so the holy spirit does empower us and then send us out i think there was wisdom in jesus sending the disciples out two by two and as a single woman i would look for another friend to be able to go with you um, doesn't have to be a man, could be a, another gal, but I don't think it's good to go out alone and look for the people to be able to share the gospel with. Um, uh, is it okay to go to, and talk to people on the streets? Um, I, yeah, certainly. And, and who knows, maybe, you know, maybe God's calling you to do that and maybe God's going to protect you supernaturally. Um, maybe it's something God wants you to do. I think my advice would be to take someone with you. It's always good to have somebody there praying anyway while you are talking to, to someone. And um, uh, there, there can be some effective ways uh, of being able to go out onto the street and, um, and, and, and talk with people. Um, one of the things that, that certain groups of people have done uh, in order to try to be effective on the streets uh, is interviews. So like um, Ray Comfort does interviews out on the street where he interviews people and talks to them about Christ and that can be very effective. Uh, other Christian groups have taken polls where they are genuinely talking to non-believers about what they believe, and they ask, hey, can I ask you a few questions? Ask them about eternal life, what you believe in God, um, and that might be a way to approach people. You know, you'd be able to have someone with you, be able to walk up and just begin to share your faith with them and to say, um, hey, do you believe in God? Where, do you believe that there's a heaven? 
What do you believe about God? And maybe the door will be open for you to be able to share. But yes, I do think it's effective. It's a hard ministry, but I believe it's effective to be able to go out on the streets and minister on the streets and do it effectively. And oftentimes God works with people and gives them their own little special thing on what they're able to do to be able to make that effective. All right, Diana, so I appreciate you wanting to share your faith. Um, and, um, you know, we, we have a group that goes out. We have a group as our church that goes out of 4th Avenue on Tucson. And um, we bring someone who can do music with us. And then we look to share with people as they're walking by and as they're interested and doors open for us to be able to share our faith. So maybe you can join a group like that uh, in your own community as well, Diana, if you're not here uh, with us. All right. So Andre has another question. Andre's always got good questions. Andre says, um, in John 19, 37, Jesus calls Joseph. Oh, I already did that one. Get back in there again. All right. Did I jump ahead? Um, all right. Maybe I did. Maybe it's in there twice. All right. So um, we have a question here from, uh, is it Requia? Requia. Sorry if I butchered your name. Requia. Good to see you. Uh, we are to sit with fellow sinners. Uh, question. We are to sit with fellow sinners because we are the light according to Jesus. I have a friend of 20 plus years, but I find I am weary hearing them talk of their lack of integrity. What does God say to do? Uh, thank you. I appreciate that question. Um, so if I understand what you're asking, you, you've been, you, you know, you're supposed to be the light, right? So we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. So we're interacting with people in the world, but you're growing tired of people that talk about all kinds of things in the world and um, have um, a lack of integrity. So um, I, I believe in friendship evangelism. I believe in being friends with, with, with people. Um, but I also believe there's a time where you're casting your pearls before swine, where you realize this person is not open to the gospel right now. And if they're going to be open to the gospel, it's going to be because something happens to them. God is going to need to do a work with them. You also need to be able to evaluate whether or not what you're sharing is effective or going to be effective. And um, it sounds like you've shined as a light for a long time in, in front of them. And um, I don't know whether they are saying things because you're a Christian. Sometimes people do that. That's, I think, the pearls before swine kind of thing. Uh, so um, my advice would be to be led by the Spirit here. And um, you, you, you want to make sure that you have friends that love the Lord, that love the Lord as much as you do, if not more. Friends that can encourage you and strengthen you. And maybe you don't want to friendships, but maybe you want to find some other people that you can hang out with, out with who can encourage you and strengthen you. All right, uh, Requia, uh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, thank you for your, your guys' questions. Thank you for being here. Uh, we have a question from Mel. Mel says, uh, Facebook, uh, good to see you. Mel says, uh, biblically defines to recognize Messiah's return, if not rapture example, for as lightning comes from the east and is visible to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be, um, Matthew 24, 7. All right, so biblically-based signs to recognize the Messiah's return. So Jesus said the gospel will be preached, this is Matthew 24 as well, the gospel will be preached around the world, and then the end will come. I want to go uh, to this passage here in Matthew that you're in, and I want to take a look at it. Uh, just a couple of things I'm just interested in looking at this passage um, and what is what is surrounding it. So let's get uh, here to take a look at it. Matthew 24 figures. All right, Matthew um, there. I got to find a quicker way to be able to look up these passages. All right, Matthew 24 uh, 20 20. Uh, all right, so then Matthew 24, then let's go to uh, 27. I'll, I'll, I'll share this with, uh, with you on the screen, all right? Um, all right, so let me go ahead and share this. Mel? So, 
uh, as we get to verse 26, it's, um, uh, then verse 27, For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles are gathered together. And then it says, After the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light so the stars will fall from the skies and the power of the heavens will be shaken and the, sun of, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens. So I believe that what we're here is uh, the actual second coming of Christ where is actually returning to this earth. Signs leading up to that are going to be doctrines of demons, right? And perilous times, um, arrogance, pride, rebellion against God. I believe that all of those signs are with us today. I believe that Israel being reborn and in the nation, I believe them being made a cup of trembling is a sign of the last days. I believe the war in Syria because the Bible talks about Damascus um, being destroyed and this country of Syria has just been absolutely devastated. And we find some, some prophecies of scripture along those lines. So I think those all talk about the return of Jesus. And I believe that we are living in the last days. I believe he could return at any moment. Uh, Jesus said that Jerusalem would be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Israel is in control of the land of Israel. Once again, Jerusalem is under Israeli control. More and more, they're gaining, uh, they're gaining access to the Temple Mount. And uh, so I, I really think that we are close to the end. And I think that these are examples and signs of the last days. Um, and that we need to be ready for Jesus to return at any moment. Because Jesus said that I'm going away. And if I go away, I will come back again and I will receive you to myself that where I am there, you may also. So thank you, Mel, for your question. I appreciate that. Uh, let's take another question here. Uh, good to see you guys. Um, thanks, Daniel, for being here. Good to see you as well. All right, so there's a uh, Raquia. I hope I'm saying your name right, Raquia. Uh, that's why I'm just going to say it with confidence, all right? I'm just going to say it with confidence. Um, so this is your question. So this is your question about your friends who lack integrity and you've been around them for a long time and wondering as the light of the world, should you continue to be there? And she says, I love my friends with all my heart, but I feel like my walk has distanced us. I wanted to see my friends saved. She expresses she's not where I am and accepts I am for God. And that's really good. And you know, Jesus is going to bring division. He brings division within family. There's family members who get saved and family members who don't. Friends who get saved and friends who don't. And there are divisions that take place because of that. And that is sad. However, I wouldn't give up on your friend. I would continue to pray for her. Continue to call out to God. Continue to look for doors that are open before. Continue to share your heart and your faith uh, with her, even though it might show some difficulty. I encourage the same thing with family members who don't know the Lord. Um, when I'm talking to family members who don't know Christ, I still talk about Christ. And um, sometimes they may get a little annoyed with it, but I'm going to answer things the way that I answer them. And um, I don't know still that you should distance yourself completely from her. You probably want to maintain that friendship with her, unless, unless that friendship is hurting your walk with Christ. The only time that I would say you need to distance yourself from someone, from someone is if it's not edifying to you. And being friends with non-believers can at times influence to do things that we shouldn't do and be, and be non-edifying. But other than that, I would say live your, influence her. Live your life in such a way that you are influencing her. All right, thank you very much uh, for your question. I really do appreciate that. So we have another question here from Andre, um, who's talking about uh, the Revelation. Um, who do you believe the 24 elders mentioned in Revelation, uh, i.e. Revelation 4, 5, 5, 8, R. Okay, so there's these 24 elders that are up in heaven and they stand up in, Re in Revelation chapter 4, right? And they throw their, their crowns up into heaven. And who are these 24 elders? Personally, um, and I don't know that I can be dogmatic about this, but I, th I think it's kind of obvious. We have the foundations of heaven are the 12 apostles. So I think the 12 of them are the 12 apostles. And I think that Paul would take the place of 
of Judas. That's my personal belief. I don't think it's Matthias. I think it's Paul. And then I think it's the 12 sons of Jacob. And I, th I think that they are the 24 elders. And they represent Israel, the nation of Israel, and God working through the Judaism and Christianity, God working through uh, the apostles. Interestingly enough, this would make them 24 uh, men who are, were, were Jewish when they were here. And they have led the entire world, both Jew and Gentile, to Christ. And those 12 apostles would be the representation for the church. And the 12 sons of Jacob would be the representation for the nation of Israel, both of whom are going to be in heaven for all of eternity. So that's who I think the 24 uh, elders are that are mentioned in Revelation chapter, 20, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, and chapter 5, verse 8. Thanks, Andre, for the question. I appreciate that. Um, and let's see. Uh, you're welcome. I, um, Require, I appreciate that. I hope I didn't destroy your name too badly. If you have any more questions, you can be, feel free to ask them. We have a question here from John. Um, John comes to us from YouTube. John says, question concerning the rapture. There are good points in pre-trib and mid-trib. Personally, I am pre-trib, partly due to the church not being appointed wrath. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, the rapture of the church, eschatology, um, these are not areas that I think that we should be massively dogmatic about. We can believe what we believe strongly. We can be convinced in what we believe. And I tell you, I am convinced in pre-trib. I, I really am. And I could spend the rest of our time talking about why I'm convinced that the pre-tribulation rapture is right. That Jesus is coming for us before the tribulation period. But if someone's going to be is going to be mid-trib or post-trib or someone's all millennial, they love Jesus. I I I don't make that a huge sticking point. All right, and I don't want to talk down to them like they're believing something that is ridiculous. I just believe that there is overwhelming evidence in the scriptures that we are not going to go into the tribulation period. The tribulation period is going to be so bad. There's going to be so many people destroyed. There's going, to be, there's going to be such persecution during that time that there's no way that you would be able to make it through it. And some people believe they're going to be protected in it. That Revelation 3.10, which says to the faithful church, by the way, that I am going to keep you from the hour of testing that's coming upon the earth. They want to read, keep you through. It doesn't say that, but they want to read that there. Instead of God keeping you from the hour of testing that's coming to test those on the earth, you and I are, are, are pilgrims of this earth. We're not earth dwellers. We're passing through, and so God takes us up into heaven and keeps us from that day. Um, Luke 21 talks about that we are to pray that we would be counted worthy to escape all of those things that are going to come upon the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. And I do. I pray that I would be able to escape that. And it, the tribulation period is so bad. And there's such persecution. And the Antichrist is given authority during those times within the tribulation period that there's no way that Christians are going to be able to survive. Flesh becomes rare during that time. And there would be no way that more than just a few people could survive during that tribulation period. And right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and um, uh, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let me go ahead and bring this up on the scripture on the screen here for you. Before he ever talks about the um, catching away experience, uh, meeting people that are up in the air, he gives us um, he gives us these this passage, and I kind of want to show you this. So let me go ahead and put the uh, scriptures up on the screen. So it says, um, for they themselves uh, for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living God and to wait for his son from heaven. Not to wait for the Antichrist, but to wait for his son from heaven. Those who believe in mid-trib or post-trib believe they're waiting for the Antichrist to be revealed. They're waiting for the revealing of the Antichrist. We are to wait for him, for his son to be revealed from heaven. It says, uh, who raised him from the dead, even Jesus, and here's your passage, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So he has delivered us from God's wrath. And um, I believe 
that, you know, you're reading the book of Revelation and, oh, let me get that back again in Bible. Um, you're reading the book of Revelation and you're reading the first two chapters. First chapter gives the Son of God a picture of Revelation of Jesus, right? Then you got your, your seven letters to seven churches. And then you have an open door in heaven with the blast of a trumpet. And I believe it's there in Revelation 4, verse 1. And a voice that says, come up here. And that is the rapture of the church. And you don't find the church again until they are in heaven. They are not in the tribulation period at all anywhere in there. Um, let me get back to what your question is. If I make sure I just haven't gone down a rant here. All right. Uh, concerning the rapture. Um, as far as pre-trib goes, uh, compared to pre-wrath, Jesus said, be ready. I could come back at any moment. It's a wicked servant that says the Lord delays his coming. And so, and I'm not saying you're wicked if you're pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib. I'm simply saying you're not waiting for Jesus to come back from heaven. You don't believe he could come back at any moment. You're waiting for the Antichrist. And I think that that any moment return of Jesus, keeping your eyes on the skies, knowing that there is this event coming, Noah got into the ark before the world was destroyed. Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Jesus used both of these as types of the last days. We are going to go up into heaven before the destruction happens upon this earth. And as strange as that sounds to the world, they, they, that we believe that we're going to be caught up, that we're going to meet the Lord in the air, it does sound strange, and I admit that. Uh, however, just because something sounds strange doesn't mean that it's not true. I believe that it's true and I strongly believe in it. Um, and that's why I, I and, and, and I think that the, the pre-wrath argument, uh, which I believe is at the seventh trumpet and they use the trumpet as an argument um, as if there's only one trumpet. You've got all kinds of trumpets that are blowing. The trumpets were a gathering mechanism. There is the last trumpet of the church. There could be the last trumpet uh, after the return of Jesus that gathers together the, the Jews that have been protected during the tribulation period. Um, and, uh, and, and, and as I said, it, it makes me very confident. Um, I am, I'm going to quote Charles Swindoll now, I'm so pre-trib I don't eat post-hosties. Okay? Um, I'm very, very confident. Done a lot of research on this. And um, there is, um, I'm working on a new video now called In Defense of the Pre-Trib Rapture, where I'm going to go over starting with arguments against the pre-trib, and I'm just going to cover them on why these arguments don't convince me um, that mid-trib, pre-wrath, any of these things could possibly be true. All right. So thank you for your question. I appreciate that. Um, I do also don't want that topic to divide the body of Christ. We are supposed to love one another and encourage one another. And it is not like the deity of Jesus or some uh, the, 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 vir the virgin birth, the resurrection of Christ, these things um, that if you questioned those things, that would be dangerous. We are all part of the body of Christ and we should be able to have unity even though we might not believe in certain things. All right. So I appreciate that. Uh, so um, uh, let's see. We have a uh, another. Uh, okay. Um, I, I I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Mel has a follow-up question. All right, Mel. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Again, good to be with you guys, those guys that are joining us. Uh, this is TruthQuest Q&A. We take questions and look at them in the light of Scripture. Uh, my name is Robert Furrow. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel of Tucson. been the pastor there uh, for uh, 37 years come this October. And uh, I love being able to hang out with you guys here on Wednesday and Saturday afternoons answering questions. Uh, Mel says, follow-up question, not to assume I'll be raptured or even know rapture uh, comes pre-trib, all right? But I'm wondering how it will be explained away and how I can leave something behind pointing to the truth. Example, biblical truth about um, uh, recognizing the real Jesus Christ and not falling for the Antichrist, etc. Um, Mel, I appreciate your, your question and your heart. 
of wanting to leave something behind because there's going to be many people who are going to come to Christ after the rapture of the church. I think there's going to be a lot of explanations. I think some people will say that this is the next step in evolution and all of these awful, horrible Christians have been taken out of the way so the world can move forward and they're no longer standing in the way of the things of this world. I believe that there will the alien thing will come into play here. Um, I think the best thing that you can do, Mel, is live your life for Jesus today. Live your life for Jesus in every moment. Let people around you see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when they see Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you're gone all of a sudden, and there are other millions of people, and the churches are empty, and, and it is maybe the churches will be full, by the way, when after the rapture, because people will be gathering together uh, to be able to uh, commit their lives to Christ. Um, but I see all of these as, as opportunities for you to be able to leave something behind for them, um, to... Uh, you know, for, for, uh, to shine as Christ and to tell them to commit your life to Christ. Um, just live your life for Jesus. You can be vocal about it. Some people have gotten creative and they've put in things in their will, um, or, you know, gave things to their lawyer. This is to be given to my family, a, a sealed package that talks about the rapture of the church and where I've been taken. And if I ever am taken up in an event, like the rapture, then give this to my family and so that they'd be able to share with them. Uh, so there are those kind of things. I don't know about that. I just want to live my life in such a way today that when people see me gone, they go, his eyes were on the skies. He's in the presence of Jesus. Thanks, Mill, for the question. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that heart, wanting to see people that are left behind um, come to come to church. All right. So we have a question from What's Normal. Good to see you. Uh, question, how much worse do you think it will get before the rapture? Your question, um, I think uh, it, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I think it could get worse. Um, I think it could always get worse. Uh, but I think that this world is just going to continue to become more and more worldly, more and more dark. Um, but remember, Jesus said it was like the days of Noah and like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah where people are marrying and intermarrying, I mean, they were marrying and, um, and given in marriage and they were uh, just going through their lives. And so life will be going on as normal when the rapture happens. The Bible also says when, when, the, when, when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon them. So sometimes we, and also I, I talked earlier about the fact that the whole world gets rich off of Mystery Babylon. So it seems like there is the, the world continues to be lifted up out of poverty. And that is happening today. The poverty level around the world is rising. There are not as many people in poverty around the world as there were before. And I think that's going to continue to, to rise. And um, so, yeah, I think there's ways. I, I, yeah, I think the answer to that would be the end of, of Daniel and the end of the book of Revelation. It says that, that the righteous are going to be more righteous and the ungodly are going to be more ungodly. That, that's what's going to happen. There, as time goes on, we're going to see things that are positive and see things that are negative, and the world is going to get better in some ways and worse in other ways, and it's going to lull people into All right, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, we, as we consider how the world is going to change between now and the actual return of Jesus Christ. All right, so um, Albert has a question. Good to see you, Albert. Albert joins us on uh, YouTube as well. And Albert says, hello, pastor. Um, Moses interceded for the Israelites and God forgave them. And in Mark 2, 5, Jesus sees the faith of the man and forgives the paralytic. Uh, sees the faith of the men and forgives the paralytic. Can we pray for the unrepentant sinners to be forgiven? Uh, I, we, we know how people can be forgiven. Right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So you have to ask him and then your sins can be forgiven. Uh, you can't, if I am not a Christian, I cannot pray for a Christian that their sins would be forgiven and have them forgiven. I can pray that they would come to the light. I could pray that they would come to Christ. But there is no way that I can take the blood of Jesus and apply it to someone who is not a believer. Um, the account you're talking about where the paralytic is lowered through the roof 
obviously to be healed of his paralysis. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. He goes on to say, so that you would know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. I take up your bed and walk. And he, they take, he, take, he gets up, takes up his bed and he walks. And he wanted to know that he did them to know he had the power on earth to forgive sins. I don't think it was the faith of the men. It was Jesus who was able to forgive sins without even asking the father because he is God. They, the scribes and Pharisees say no one can forgive sin but God alone. And they're right. It's God alone who can forgive sins. And this is, and I help, this helps us to identify who Jesus is, that he is God in the flesh. No, believe you can, can pour the unrepentant to have their sins forgiven. However, kind of, you could pray for them that they would come to Christ. You could pray that God would move in their lives. The Bible says, ask and you'll receive, knock and the door will be open, seek and you will find. And I believe that we know that God wants people to get saved. We know that God wants everyone to get saved, which is an amazing thing. The Bible tells us God desires all to be saved and all to come to the knowledge of the truth. So when I'm praying for someone, I'm praying for something that God wants. When I'm praying for someone to get saved. I'm praying for something that God wants. That can be extremely powerful. And I think that our prayers are powerful when we are praying for the lost. So pray for them, but God gives man a free choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose God and live, he says. And so they have a human choice. We can't make it for them. We would do it, right? We would do it to all people. We'd be making that choice for them all the time. All right? So I appreciate you, Albert, and appreciate your question. I'll look for another one here. Again, good to see you guys. Um, let's see. All right, let me get Louis here. I'm going to bring in Rakaya uh, here. All right. Um, Rakaya. Rakaya? All right. Thanks for trying. All right, I appreciate that. Um, if I ever meet you, you can set me straight on that. All right, Rakaya? Um, it says, in the tribulation period, she says, well, in the tribulation period, what about our children? God knows their potential for good and evil. Is it in the scriptures they will be saved? So require, require, require. Um, I, I don't know what the age of your children is, but if they are of an age that is sufficiently young, then they're going to be saved. I believe that they will go in the rapture of the church. Um, uh, I, I believe that we can make a biblical case for children going to heaven that there is an age of accountability um we've got a hot topic that is ready to roll on that that the the um uh the thumbnail is going to be do babies go to heaven and it will be is there an age of accountability and we'll be answering this question and the answer is yes and there's a couple of interesting things when I, when i started really looking into it to see what kind of scriptures would back up this i was surprised to find so much we find that God talks in Nineveh about children who don't know their right hand from the left. God took the, 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 in Deuteronomy, God took the second generation and brought them into the promised land. The children of those who were rebellious, he allowed them and scattered, scattered the bodies of the former generation in the wilderness and brought them into the promised land. David knew that his son who died would see him again and would be with them again. And so rather than mourning after he died, he mourned before he died when he was sick, but after he died, he got up and washed his face and he ate, saying, I know I will be with that child again. There was an encouragement there from him in the confidence that he had. And so, uh, yeah, I think there's an age of accountability. And um, I don't know if it's so much an age of accountability, but it depends on each individual child. How much do they know? How much do they understand? When do they get to that point where they are responsible for what they know and what they believe? All right. So I believe the case, as I said, when I started to look into it, I was pleasantly surprised to find that the Bible has a lot to say about kids going to heaven. All right, Rakaia, I appreciate that. Hopefully I'm getting your name closer. All right. Um, so uh, I appreciate you guys too. Just kind of looking at the, the comments that are here. Um, we have a question from Cheryl. And um, we are, how close are we? We're, we're close here, huh? We're close, yeah, we're close to, to, to uh, four o'clock. Can't believe that the hour goes by so fast. 
I really appreciate you guys. Let's take a look at this. This will be our last question. I appreciate your questions. And if you have more questions, write them down before the actual um, hour closes out, before we close down the video, the show closes, um, because I'll be getting these questions and I can look at them later on and um, maybe use them to open up the show uh, with one of your questions. So Sharon says, question, in the Old Testament, as, um, as the history of various kings was recorded, the chapters ended by saying, the rest is recorded in the books of Judah and Israel. Are these books still around? So, trying to remember, Sharon, um, Okay, we have the books of First and Second Kings. We have the books of First and Second uh, Chronicles. All of them cover simultaneously. Both of those, or all of them, because there's First and Second, cover simultaneously the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. Um, they seem to have been compiled by themselves in their own books, the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. And we may have portions of those. They may be what we have in First and Second Kings, the First and Second Chronicles, as it goes through the, the history of the kings, or it may be that we don't have those anymore exactly. So I'm not exactly sure um, whether or not they are referring to uh, the books of, in Chronicles or Kings. Um, I'd like to be able to take a look at it. Remember, I'm answering things off the top of my head, and it's been a long time. I've, we've covered several times the books, uh, verse by verse, line by line of Kings and Chronicles, but it's been a long time since I've been in those books and I'm trying to remember exactly. Um, so I'm just going to give you a kind of a tentative, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe I do know. Maybe we've got the recordings in those, you know, four books about the different kings that were compiled in books by themselves. So in other words, we don't have the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah, although they may have been compiled that way, it seems like they were uh, but we do have the different kings that were there. And maybe if we found those books, there would be something uh, that would be in them. So I appreciate you guys um, and um, love you. Uh, hope you stay close to Jesus. Uh, continue to study his word. Continue to ask questions uh, when you're studying the word. I like to study God's word with a, with a notepad uh, because I just, and I, I write down the different things that I, that I see. Trying to see what's on here. Okay, um, I write down the different things uh, that I that I see uh, that are our notes, um, just because I want to be able to, to to search out those questions later on. And I really appreciate you guys. Stay close to Jesus. Keep loving Him. Uh, we have a service that is live in two hours. Uh, we'll have worship, and then we'll be studying the thirteenth chapter of the book of Hebrews. Uh, it's on Christian conduct. It's extremely good. Uh, obviously, I say that about all passages, but it's really a powerful section of scripture. And we'll be talking some about the scandals that have been going on with pastors lately, pastors and Christian leaders, and what the conduct of a pastor should be according to what the Bible says and what our response should be together. All right. So I appreciate you guys. Um, and again, love you. And I hope you stay close with Jesus and we'll see you. We'll have another, you're welcome. Uh, we'll have another Q and A on Saturday for an hour, three to four. I look forward to seeing you guys there. All right. Appreciate y'all, all you guys. And I am going to sign out.